of, uh, yeah, some of you are going, you're still babes. I know. we got a ways to go, but because I know there's a number that have been married longer. But, uh, you know, we live a joy-filled life together uh, because we've been through a lot together. And over that time, we've, through all the different challenges, we've come closer together. And uh, our marriage has not always been easy. Um, one of my kids asked me a while back, how come you became a workaholic? And I said, it's because at the beginning of our marriage, I didn't like your mother. But when we were married, I was a real knucklehead. I'm glad she didn't leave me or poison my coffee. Um, but, but today, 33 years later, we're different people because of each other's influences on each other's life. And um, in fact, last week, of course, we were up with, at my parents and helping them out. And I'm, for Christmas this year, I'm going to have uh, some shirts made for me and my brothers that uh, life is too short not to give your mom a hard time. Uh, because I feel like that's one of my spiritual giftings is just to continually give my mom a hard time. And she made this comment a number of times during the week. She would look at Clarissa and blame her. Because she said to Clarissa, you've had him a lot longer than I had him. And I, I, the reason I'm saying all of this is because I, I think we all understand, even though we won't talk about it, is that the relationships in our life, they influence the outcome of our life. They have a way of transforming us. They have a way of changing us in different ways. And, uh, and I think as part of that, as we really go through Romans chapter 8, uh, we're going to really see how the life through the Spirit brings us new life regularly. Regularly. Because here in Romans chapter 8, Paul, he uses the word spirit 21 times. And 18 of those times that he uses it, he is referring to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, of course, he, uh, he gave us the Spirit uh, as an advocate. This is one who is going to be with us. Here's the beauty of it, always. And so when we begin to understand this life through the Spirit, there is a transformation that happens in our life. And Romans chapter 8, really the beauty of it is that it's a, it's, a, it's a part of the Bible that really tells us that we don't have to be giant slayers or, you know, dragon slayers or any of that kind of stuff. But, but we have this life of faith, and this faith is in Jesus Christ. And when we have this faith in Jesus Christ, it has a transformative power through the life of the Spirit. And that's really what I want to focus on over the next number of weeks. It's really how the Holy Spirit really walks with us in life in a way that transforms us, that, that changes us. I am not the same knucklehead that I was when I married Clarissa 33 years ago. Now here's what you didn't hear me say, that I'm not a knucklehead. I'm not the same knucklehead. Because, because I've, not, I've not achieved perfection. I tell Clarissa I'm as close as you're ever going to get. And that doesn't usually end up well for me. But I also understand that, that even though, even though um, we've been married for 33 years, it doesn't mean that, oh, I can just sit back and everything's fine. No, the grass is always better where you water it. Right? The same is true in our spiritual life as we walk with the Spirit. If, if we give attention to that relationship, if we focus on that relationship, there's this transformation that happens in our life. Not overnight. I mean, there are, there are miracle moments that, that have huge impacts on our life. But overall, there are these small transformational moments that, that end up really changing a life. I believe it's important to pastor a people for a long period of time because I don't believe any one sermon is going to change a person. 
I think of my sermons as nothing more than a piece of paper. And when you, when you actually time and time again put one piece of paper on top of another, you end up having a weight. And that's the way I believe in pastoring. Why? Because, because it, there is no, there's not this great moment that changes everything, but it's these little changes that happen time and time and time again. As we give attention to this life through the Spirit. So Romans chapter, we're going to look at the first four verses today. Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to to the Spirit. Now that's an awful lot. We're going to break it down just a little bit. But since we just celebrated Independence Day, I want to tell you about a, a young lawyer that in, 19, in 1763 had his first major case. The case was known as the Parsons case. It involved Anglican clergy in the colony of Virginia. Ministers of the Church of England they were paid in tobacco. So their annual salaries were based on tobacco of the day. I'm not vying for a pay raise in tobacco, mind you. In response to this, uh, there was a challenge that occurred as the cr crops of tobacco incurred some drought and the price of tobacco increased. And so the colony of Virginia, the legislatures, passed what was called the Two Penny Act, which set the minister's salaries at two pennies per pound of tobacco, rather than the six pennies the tobacco had increased to. So what the Anglican ministers did is they didn't appeal to a board. They appealed to the king of England. And King George III overturned the Two Penny Act and encouraged the clergy to sue for back wages. The young lawyer responded over the next number of years by beginning to present before the Virginia legislators some resolutions and by 19 or by 1775 they resolved by the Virginia legislators in such a way that it began to be published by other colonies and this began America's stance against taxation without some of you know it representation under the British crown. In March of 1775, 
that lawyer in a speech to the Second Virginia Convention to discuss the colony's strategy against the British made the most famous speech that concluded with, and here's what Patrick Henry concluded the speech with, give me liberty or give me death. Now why is this, why is this important to what we're talking about today? When we talk about the spirit of liberty, you have to understand that liberty is freedom from something. Liberty is freedom from something. And this is what Paul is bringing at the beginning of Romans chapter 8. Of course, Patrick Henry wanted America to be liberated from the rule of the crown. Paul said, there is, now, there is therefore now no condemnation. There's freedom from condemnation. So I want you to just do a, just in your own inside, just do a scan of your life. Where do you find yourself condemned? Do you live a life that still has a rule of condemnation over that life? Today, the Spirit wants to walk you into a place where you are liberated from that which condemns you. So I want you to say these words. Set free from. Set free from. Say, it, say it again. Set free from. Set free from. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit and the spirit of liberation, it really does start when we come to the cross. And this is the connect that I, I really want us to connect with today. It is that we're given a new life through the liberating work of the Holy Spirit. Now, having said that, and I'll put it up on the screen there. We're given this new life through the liberating work of the Holy Spirit. I pray that everybody, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, you've experienced the liberating work of the Holy Spirit because you've turned toward Jesus Christ. How many of you can remember the moment you turned towards Jesus Christ and you received a, a, a liberation from the weight of life? I always say it this way. The sky was bluer. I lived in Phoenix. The sky was still bluer. The green grass was, the grass was greener. Everything looked better. I was set free from something. And I pray that everyone here can articulate the moment that you were set free from something. But it didn't stop then. And I, and I want you to get this. This is so important for us. The first experience we have in liberation should not be the last experience we have in liberation. Because the Holy Spirit is always bringing us into a newness of life. So when I, when I first came to know Jesus Christ, I, 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 did, I didn't like my life. I wanted to be freed from the life that I had created. And so I knew the best way to do that was to go to Jesus. And I didn't know where to go to Jesus. And I just knew that Jesus was in an Assembly of God church. So I went to an Assembly of God church. I literally went to the Yellow Pages and found an Assembly of God church. And I, and I, and I went in the back and I, I listened to Oliver Swain preach and I already said, turn to the Lord, but there was this moment where I was going to confess before everybody, and I walked up to the front of that church saying, I'm turning my life over to Jesus. I left that place feeling lighter than I ever had before, because the weight of sin and death had been taken about, taken off. Every time I smoked a cigarette, the cigarette was better. <laughs> now, I just messed with some of your theology there. Because while I had received this experience of liberation, it continued. 
there was a, there was a Sunday I, I went to church, and I, I don't know how many months, it was months later. Man, it was a good service. I got into my, my little red Ford Escort, and I lit up a cigarette in the parking lot of the church, and I did this. It wasn't because somebody that, that had some bun hair had been yelling at me that I needed to stop smoking. It's because I had a life of the Spirit, and the life of the Spirit was taking me now into a new dynamic of life, because it's what the Spirit of liberation does. It moves us from experience to experience. I think for us, it's easy to get caught up into putting that, that, that first experience in our back pocket. And, and, and we remember that experience, but we don't allow the Holy Spirit to continue this life of liberation. Or we begin to look at our life and we, we find that, that, well, yeah, I still have this or I still with that. Or, or maybe the devil has said something like this to you before. You've been a Christian long enough. You should be over this by now. And you find the enemy condemning you for an act of the flesh. And all he's trying to get you to do is, is to begin to feel bad about yourself. So you have this shameful feeling that causes you to separate yourself from people. And live in your own, the squalor of shame. Because you don't feel that you are good enough. But if there's a desire... To have the Spirit liberate you to a new dynamic, a new dimension of life, He's more than willing to. But we have to grow, and these are the areas we're going to grow. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt not to, to mess with too many theological things here, because there's three areas that we really got to grow in here that, that Paul brings out here. We we need to grow in our eternal security. I'll say that again for those of you that only gasped on the inside. We need to grow in our, in our eternal security. We need to grow in our internal freedom. And we need to grow in our pers, pers, uh, um, positional perfection. Those three areas. If we grow in those three areas, it, you'll find yourself liberated in ways you never, ever imagined. So let's look at uh, being eternally secure. And, and here's what I want to do even when I start talking about this. Can, can you, the, the argument that church people get uh, stuck into, once saved, always saved. Are you holding on to God or is he holding on to you? Can we just set that aside? Theology never changed anybody. Theology doesn't change people. What, one of the, this is an area that the Lord just has been taking me personally on is that, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. You know that because I'll say things like, do you see this and do you understand that? Because I always want people to understand I always have the steps to the freedom and all that stuff. Because I'm a teacher. But one of the challenges that I have, and I'm looking for this new life, is, is that I can get awful heady. And, and if you get awful heady, you can miss the work of the Spirit. Because the Spirit's working. And I don't want to miss this, the work of the Spirit because I, I can't explain what's going on. I, one of my one of my distant mentors that I actually never got to meet, but yet have read extensively, listened to lectures, read his lectures, was a guy by the name of Anderson, who was a, 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 a theologian at Fuller uh, University in California. And here's what he said about systematic theology. It's like dissecting a cat and trying to put it back together again. It's not going to work. I'm glad he chose a cat. 
But I, I think that if you're, if you're stuck when it comes to eternal security, going, you're in again, you're out again, you're going to find yourself living a condemned life. But Paul says, there is therefore now. Say that word now. now. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because, because we've done something perfect? Listen, there was a season of my life I had a sin index. Okay, my sin index was this. When I went to church on Sunday, if my sin index was low, I expected things to happen. If my sin index was high because it was just that kind of week, I just figured God was a long ways away. Now, you may not call it a sin index, but people live with a sin index all the time. Because when it comes to this idea of salvation, you're in you're out. Like there's a line. And boy, if you just cross the line, you're going to be okay. But a life in the Spirit has everything to do with a relationship. Has everything to do with, with sowing into and minding the relationship that we have with God's Spirit. And when I am in Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation. Now, no condemnation. Is it because I've done something? No, it's because he did something. Because I've chosen his life. I'm in union with him. Everyone who has their faith in him. Everyone who has their identification in him. He's the one that tells me my life is more than this flesh. And so he's the one that helps me to grow and to resist temptation and to choose righteously. So when Clarissa and I were first married, uh, we had an Insta family, and it wasn't because we added water, uh, because our oldest son, John, was three years old, almost turning four. And, and when I became an Insta father, my knuckleheadness was right in the forefront. Because I had a belief system that, that I was going to say something, I was going to do something, I was going to give the spanking that was going to make them change forever. Yeah, you're laughing, but I wasn't laughing then because it didn't work. They say, what does that have to do with eternal security? Well, has everything to do with their eternal security because when I was secure when I found myself secure in the Lord the things that I had no control over or a little control over he started to secure through me I couldn't do it on my own but when I found myself going wait a minute it's not about what I can do it's what he's already done and will do through me there was a security that began to happen because I know I'm not on my own I'm not left to my own devices. So I just say, okay, you're there to help me. And if he's there to help me through the small things, he'll be there to help me with the big things. And here's the biggest thing. He's already helped me with the biggest thing, and that's called death. Because there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I'm secure, not based on what I do, but what he has already done. 
And so I've got to grow in that. I'm always growing in that. This last year, by the way, I'll, this is, you know, just, I don't know that I'm fully out of it. I've never been one on a midlife crisis. I know they thought I was going through a midlife crisis when I bought two motorcycles. But I'd made a deal with my wife that when the kids were out of the home, I was getting motorcycles again. It had nothing to do with midlife crisis. But this last year, last June, when I, on my birthday, went to the orthopedic uh, surgeon and he says, you can no longer play handball or you have to get two new hips. It started me down this path of going, man, I have been active in sports. My, I'm so active. I'm active in the middle of night going flop from one side to the other. I just never stop moving. And so when your body starts rebelling, internally something starts happening. And I, and I start, but the Holy Spirit, because I'm doing life through and with the Holy Spirit, that life through the Spirit, he begins to liberate me from the way I think life has to be done. And he begins to open up, begins, begins to show, show me things. And that's kind of where I really want to transition because salvation here is in this, this eternal security is not a lie in your cross, but it's a direction you walk. And when you walk that direction, you're doing this life with the Spirit, and all of a sudden you find yourself more and more being internally free. Now, I don't have to conjure it up. I don't have to figure it out. So, so Matt, uh, uh, Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. Here's what the follower of Jesus says. The follower of Jesus says, give me liberty or I will lead a dead life. Give me liberty or I'll lead a dead life. And, and, and much of our life is done right up here. And when, and when we begin to be freed internally, from the things that constantly bring us pain and anguish, that hurt the relationships that are around us, all of a sudden we begin to grow in this freedom inside, where we don't have to figure things out, where we don't have to walk on eggshells, where we don't have to, we, we don't have to lose our patience. Because sin, it's, it's, it's a little bit like this cruel slave owner. As Paul says, the, the law of sin and death, it rules Every ungenerated person. So as, as you're getting mad at a government official for not leading this correct country correctly, they're just leading from a master who is not nice. So why does Paul say? We're to pray for them. We're to lift them up. And so we begin to pray. Why? Because they be, that, be, that begins to change. But here's the thing. Is that when the people came out of Egypt and they went into the wilderness... They had only known slavery. Their ability to not be slaves was only, only done because they were no longer around the slave owners. But their mindset was still very much as a slave. And so the, this transformation that the Spirit takes us through is a place where our internal person all of a sudden says, wait a minute, I don't have to be slave to that anymore. I don't have to say yes to that, that sin. I don't have to do, say yes to that destructive thing anymore. Because through Jesus Christ, we have been emancipated from the law of sin and death. No longer does that have that ability. In Christ, I can reject that. This is why, this is why water baptism is so critically important, is because we are now dead to that. No longer does the enemy have the ability Think of the story of the little girl who, who was getting ready to get in trouble for something that she had done. And, and her mom says, and don't you tell me the devil made you do it. And the little girl looked at her and said, mom, 
The devil made me do part of it, but I did some of that all on my own. Right? And I think that's the way we are. We recognize that we make choices. And, and so Jesus says, now I've set you free from that. You can start making good choices as I've set you free. And so even as, even as um, Marcos talked about the family and being away from the family, ultimately what allows any of that to happen is we put our trust in him. And he begins to open up the possibilities and the beauties that are actually around us. So we, we really learn to be uh, you know, eternally secure, and then we learn to be internally free, but then finally we learn to be positionally perfect. For during Jesus' day, he was constantly interacting with people who believed that what made them positionally perfect was the law. And they, they would make sure that they would adhere to every part of the law. And if they adhered to every part of the law, they were perfect, and then it gave them a right to judge everybody else. Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus showed them that they were not positionally perfect. And what did that get him? It got him death because they killed him for it. Because people who work through their own ability to be positionally perfect, they end up prideful. And here's the thing about pride. I said this a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. Is that that pride, it blinds you to the strengths of others and it blinds you to your own weaknesses. And so, so for Jesus, it got him killed. But Paul said what really made it perfect is God by sending his own son. So it was his own son that spelled out what perfect righteousness was because he lived by it. We couldn't. He did. And so it's because of Christ. And that's what allows us to be in him. And when we are in him, God looks at you, God looks at me, and what does he see? Does he see your sin? No, that was supposed to be an easy question. No, he doesn't see your sin. He looks through these glasses that he puts on in Christ Jesus. He sees you as perfect. You're going, man, I'm glad he doesn't see what I see when I look in the mirror. Yeah, we are glad. Because there is now, now, therefore, no condemnation. You are positionally perfect today. And you be perfectly positioned uh, in this perfect place when you stand before him. So, it's probably a little bit of a cliche, but God really does look through rose-colored glasses. And that rose is because of the blood of Jesus. God sees you as perfect. How do we grow in that? Well, we grow in that because... We're, we're constantly coming and saying, Lord, I, I'm looking for you to move in this area. I'm asking you, will you, will you actually, will you do this? Will you, will you, will you transform the, the lives of the people around me who, who, who by using me? And, and, and you're going, well, you know, some people never pray that because they think they're inadequate. Because they've not grown in a place of being positionally perfect. What allows me to be a pastor isn't perfection. There'd be one room, person in that room that would amen. That'd be Clarissa. She knows that, you know, I'm, I'm the nice guy in front of everybody. But there are moments on my way to bed at 9.15, don't get in my way. But what qualifies me is not me, it's Jesus. And so the things that I pray for, the things that I ask for, when I go before the Almighty God, I go with confidence. Writer of Hebrews says that we go through confidence that we might find mercy and grace in our time of 
need. And so before we kind of finish up with this week's action steps, I want to tell you about a guy that has affected everybody in this room that has driven in a car and specifically driven uh, on, well, really don't even have to be a highway. The guy's name is Albert Botts, and he's affected your life. And when you understand what this guy invented, you'll go, oh, yeah, 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 I, I know that that's happened to me. For me, it, there's one particular moment where it had a profound effect. This guy had a profound effect on my life without me even knowing it. We had went to a trade show up in Monterey, California, and it was a Lexus trade show, and, and, and so we, we did the trade show, but since you're in Monterey, California, you got to do all the Monterey, California things. We golfed at Pebble Beach, and we, we went on the, the, the 15 or 15-mile drive. We rode bikes. We played tennis, and then we got in a car, and we're heading back to the airport, and my, the owner of the company, Michael Butler, was driving, and, and he's driving down the road, and, and I am tired as all get out, and I start to fall asleep. And I start to nod off, and all of a sudden I hear, ka-dum, ka-dum, ka-dum. and I wake up, and Mike's driving. And I start to fall asleep, and I hear, ka-dum, ka-dum, ka-dum. and I see Mike driving the car like this. Because he was as tired as I was. What saved our life, who saved our life, was Albert Botts. Because he's the guy that invented the material that allows them to make the little bumpy things on the side of the road. That when you begin to get off the lane, you hear the ka-dum, 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 and it alerts you that you are getting out of the lane. Now, I want you to get this about understanding about being eternally secure and being, being uh, internally free and being positionally perfect. Is that the Holy Spirit allows us to go through things in life that cause us to go ka-dum, 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 ka-dum. These are situations in our life where the Holy Spirit is saying you're about to get out of the lane. Because the Holy Spirit has us on a target to meet Jesus. And so when we are living a life through the Spirit, he's constantly liberating us from the things of life that attempt to get us out of the lane. So when you recognize the things that are going kathump, 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 because you're in that argument again, inside you're, you're all anxious and uncertain, you're fearful, you're, you're, you're trying to control the people around you. you, you find yourself really never wanting to go to the Lord in prayer because you don't ever think of yourself as perfect enough. It's just, it's just those side things, because the Spirit's saying, no, no, we don't have to go into another lane. You can stay in this lane, and, you, and it's in this lane ultimately that you're going to grow. And you're going to grow into an experience and another experience and another experience where you are liberated. Freed from the fear of death. Because Hebrews says that, that, that people are afraid. They're, 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 they're afraid. to. They're, I like the way Hebrews says it in the message version. It says they're scared to death of death. You don't have to be that anymore. You can be eternally secure that every wrong that you've ever done, Jesus took care of. Every wrong that you'll ever do, Jesus will take care of. We, we grow in, in not allowing our thoughts and our emotions to control us anymore. We grow to where now we understand that, listen, I've been liberated from those kinds of things. And that regardless of what my flesh is still dealing with, because I'm on this, this highway and I'm on this lane, I can go before the Lord and he looks at me as perfect. So I can ask for things. So what should we do? 
three simple things. And if the worship team wants to come, it's because it's not going to take very long. Here's what I want you to do. Over the next number of weeks, I really think you should read Romans 8 at least five times a week. Get up, read it. Read Romans 8 over and over and over again. It is, it is arguably the greatest chapter in the Bible for the believer. Allow, allow it to soak into your, your inner person. Depending on your area of challenge where the Holy Spirit says, hey, you keep running into the bumps, whether it's, whether it's the fear of being saved or not saved or it's the, the things that are going on internally or thinking that, that you're, you're not positioned correctly and, and you don't do things right, whatever it is, here's, there's three things I think that you do. We need to recite some things. We need to recite first and foremost. For those of you that struggle with the fear of, of your salvation, I'm not condemned in Christ Jesus. I'm not condemned in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. I'm not condemned in Christ Jesus. Now, the Bible talks to us all the time. I'm going to kind of hammer this because I think we get to get this. We don't need to compare ourselves with ourselves. That's dangerous. I'm not condemned in Christ Jesus. The only one God compares us to is Jesus. And if I'm in Jesus, I'm not condemned. I'm telling you, when you get that, the next one being internally free really begins to change things. But here's, here's what, if, you, if you're struggling with an area of your life that the Holy Spirit is challenging you in, in this season of your life, then you need to recite, I, don't, I, can, I can make new choices. I'm free of the old choices. I can make new choices. I can make new choices. I can make different choices. And that doesn't matter how old you are. That was an amen pause, but it gets harder to change the older we get. But we can make new choices in Christ Jesus. And this, this will challenge some of you. You need to recite, I'm perfect in Christ. I'm perfect in Christ. Now, don't recite that after you've just gotten in a heated discussion with a friend or spouse. Recite that to the Lord. Recite that in the place of prayer. I am perfect in Christ. What solidifies this stuff is when, 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 we, when you read this and then you begin to, to recite it, it's when you recycle it. Now you begin to talk to other people about it. You're, you're, you can be secure in Jesus or you're secure in Jesus if they're a Christian. You begin to talk to them about, about being free internally. You talk to them about being positionally perfect. When you begin to recycle it and give it out, here's the beautiful thing that the Lord does. He anchors it in us. It becomes something that, that is immovable in our life. Because we, we begin to speak it and we begin to recognize that it's not just for us. That God does it in others as well. And here's the beautiful thing. When we do that, we don't even realize what we're doing. And we're just, just indirectly and maybe even indirectly directly igniting change. Because this is what Jesus came to do. He, kept to, he came to set the captives free. To set those who are in bondage free. He's the, he brings liberty. And so we all know people in our life who need to be set free from something. We live in a culture that wants to be free to do something. Jesus sets us free from things. And we live in that liberty. And that liberty is so good. And so Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to, to grow and to live in this liberating spirit that you've given us. In fact, I, I would encourage you maybe even to put your hand over your heart and just say, Spirit, help me to, to live growing in this place of being liberated.
because Holy Spirit, you're the one that liberates me from the things of my past, the decisions of my past, the thoughts and the emotions of my past. Will you liberate me into a, a new life in this season? And then Lord, as we, as we go throughout the week, I pray that you help us to, to come to you and to pray and, 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 to, and to continue, Lord, as we pray, to, to listen to your spirit in a way that we receive the transformation that we need. But even more than that, Lord, there are so many of us mature in, in Christ that, Lord, we need to recycle these beautiful things that you've given us. And so, Lord, would you just open our eyes and our hearts to those that are around us that, that Lord, they're, they're fearful of death. They're, they're fearful of their, the moment of standing before you. Lord, for those that, that they, they live a life of trying to do good because of fear, they try to do accomplishments because of fear, would you open our eyes to that? Would you open our eyes to those who internally continue to, to, to fall into the same patterns and the, and the war, well-worn thoughts and emotions that get them into the same old trouble time and time again? So that, Lord, we might recycle what you've done in us with them. So they might find the, the liberating work of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.